Martin Luther King Jr. once said, and I must say tonight, that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice and humanity. This is Piragua Podcast. My name is Alexis Cuyo Rodriguez. I'm with Carlos C.J. Chaparro. What's good, mi pana? <laughs> That's how I'm feeling today. <laughs> I like it. We're in September of 2020. This is the year of a once-in-a-generation type of pandemic. Uh, 200,000 plus people have died thus far from coronavirus or COVID-19 in the United States has just been outright despicable, disgusting um, on on the, the, the response by the government to uh, address this pandemic. Um, and, and with that said, we have seen and continue to see the police brutality, the racial discrimination, um, the racism that continues to plague um, black communities as well as indigenous communities and um, other immigrant groups, uh, including ourselves, Puerto Ricans. For sure, for sure. Uh, wild year, 2020 has been the longest three years of my life. Uh, what's the word? It, it's created a lot of opportunity and it's also created a lot of time to think and reflect. Uh, and I feel that the George Floyd public lynching was as galvanizing to me because I had so much time to think and reflect on it. Uh, and not only just George Floyd, but all the others that, that, that have fallen under the same uh, horrible circumstances. And also to uh, understand the response. You know, I, I feel I, I, prior to that, I, did, I never spent too much time with understanding riots, what they meant, what was what what was the difference between a riot and a demonstration, you know, what's the psychology behind it? You know, what exactly does it mean when people riot? Because, you know, I like a lot of people you hear this this narrative where it's just like, oh, it's just criminal activity, it's looting, it's it's aimless, there's it's no more leadership. Than that. It's oh, it's it's you know, it's it's very complex. In fact, they're, you know, just figuring out what type of riots they are, right? So, you know, just to unpack this for our listeners, you know, when, when you see um, race riots or, or you see um, the police riots, this actually falls under the category of urban riots, uh, if you were going to get technical with it. Because I, I didn't know that until I started re- researching the material for this episode. And apparently there's other categories of riots. So this, this, is, this is a field of study where you can kind of get some more material. Definitely Google um, Google it, look into it, read. 
Um, but today, yeah, let's let's talk about you know exactly in, in, in a you know broadly what a riot is and, and what it means. A riot is a response. It's a reflection to the conditions of your social reality, right? The 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 existence that you live, and you see these riots um, foment. When you have um, areas of high poverty, high inequality, high unemployment, a lack of opportunity, especially in education, right? You see decrepit school systems, you see redlining, you see racial profiling and discrimination, as well as police brutality and harassment. These are these are omnipresent. These are the conditions um, of the social fabric um, in the communities where you see these riots come about. They don't happen in a vacuum. There's a context to them. There's something that leads up to uh, to their existence, right? And what you saw in Minneapolis was a history of racial profiling, a history of discrimination, a history of police brutality and harassment. Um, and that just um, got to the boiling point where when... Uh, when the lynching of George Floyd happened at the hands of Minneapolis police, it was like this is the last straw. Right. We're burning shit down. Right. Which which is which is what happens with riots. Riots, um, whether you agree or disagree with them, one thing is true about them, and it it, it does galvanize people. Uh, and by galvanize, I mean it, it makes people want to take action. It makes them reflect on the conditions that they were may or may not have been aware of at the time. Um, and want to do something about it, whether it be through direct action, indirect action, uh, uh, through journalism, art—you know, just many different avenues where where you can when you can speak out uh, and and do things. And for us, we're going to elevate this voice through uh, through the podcast. So, so now that we went into a little bit about riots, what I want to ask you a question: How do you feel about? Because I don't know if you've you've heard this or not, but I, I've. I've I've been I've been talking about this a lot, and I came across a couple, you know, a few Puerto Ricans. I'll, I'll leave names out, and they feel, well, they told me about this. What I believe is a stereotype is that rioting is not something Puerto Ricans do. That's not for us. That is other groups do that. Black people do that. Other people, white people, Puerto Ricans, we're, we calm, we chill, we, we're docile, we, you know, we chilling. We don't do that. We don't riot. And then I was like, all right, well, let me look into that. I'm gonna have to fact check that, and we fact checked it. <laughs> Not true, <laughs> not true at all. <laughs> no, in 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 our communities here in Connecticut, there's a history of riots, right? There's a history of um, urban upheaval in Bridgeport, mm-hmm. in Hartford, in Waterbury, um, in New Haven. You see uh, this historically happen in our communities here, as well as um, New Jersey, Newark, Philadelphia, Chicago, down the list, New York. Um, you, you see it up in Buffalo, uh, Rochester. You see these riots coming about in the history of our communities, right? We go back to our episode of Diasporicans where we talk about this uh, huge migration in the 1950s from Puerto Rico to the United States. A lot of that migration goes um, to uh Newark, New Jersey, to Bridgeport, Connecticut, to Chicago, Illinois. It's in proximity, if not um, inter, you know, interwoven with uh, African American communities in these urban um, centers of the United States. Mm-hmm. So let's 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 talk about a few. Um, I'll I'll focus on Connecticut. Um, Connecticut had a few 
uh, in the 60s and the 70s. And we, we got this information from uh, the Latino Rebels. This was an article done by with an interactive map. It's really dope. Uh, hopefully, we can put the link out for the Yeah, we people. can put the link out. It's um, by Aaron, Aaron G. Fountain Jr. Right. So and dope. Just a, before you go on, I just want to give you this quote. Most Americans are unaware of Latino urban riots because they fall outside of the black-white binary. Um, going on, he states that there were uh, 43 riots in Mexican-American and Puerto Rican communities mm. documented by a sociologist by the name of Greg Lee Carter uh, between 1964 and 1971, he continues to say that nevertheless, there are some shortcomings on the list. Some riots were just melees. Uh, he missed several incidents and they continued well beyond 1971. So that's just a little quote. Not, I'm paraphrasing there, uh, as I said it, but that's from Aaron G. Fountain Jr. We'll include the link uh, on on the uh, on the episode. Yeah, and there's definitely some truth to that because I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't know about these riots um, prior to uh, researching for this episode. Um, even in my own hometown, I live in New Haven, been here for you know over ten years, and this was the first time that I I learned that in 1967 there was a white restaurant owner that shot a Puerto Rican man who was simply carrying a knife. I don't know exactly what the conflict was, but this caused this caused a riot. Now we have to understand when the context was happening at the time, racial tension in America was high. This is the same summer that we were getting the the riots in uh, Detroit. Um, we were, and obviously the same narrative. We're, these were these were Puerto Rican and Black people that were completely tired of living under the conditions of poverty and racism and police brutality. So over five hundred people were arrested. Um, and and you know if there's accounts of people who were living at the time that talk about how crazy those few days were. Then we go on to areas like Bridgeport in 1972. We had the arrest of a young Lords leader that led to rioting. Um, that subsequently led to an actual a class action lawsuit and an FBI probe into the Bridgeport Police Department. Um, then in 73, we had the South End riots. And anybody from Bridgeport, you know how what these communi- communities look like. And these are very black and Puerto Rican communities, um, Latino in general. There's all types of people there. Uh, but anyways, in 70, 70, uh, 73, the South End riots was uh, in response to an unjust arrest of a robbery suspect who they feel he was subsequently released, but obviously wasn't treated fairly. I've never heard that one before, right? And then the 77 really bothered me um, only because it was eerily similar to the Jason Negron case and, and also in Bridgeport. Um, and this was a 13-year-old that was shot in the head by the police. Um, I think it was 15. Or 15. Teenager. A teenager, teenager yeah. shot by the police, which right. uh, it's, just, it's just mind-boggling. And this is actually, you know, I read that shortly after um, Jason Negron's birthday, which I was like, woof, this is kind of gave me chills a little bit. And what's wild was, is like when I'm reading these headlines and I'm reading these stories, it's almost as if you can't tell when it happened, right? It feels like, did this happen yesterday? Or where it happened. Or where where it happened, you know, because in Chicago, 1966, a 20-year-old by the name of Aracelis Cruz was shot and killed by police. This took place during the first Puerto Rican Day Parade, uh, and there were riots, a few days of riots that ensued after that. There weren't any deaths during the riots. There were injuries, though, and there was a lot of uh, property damage, mm, and mm. that that took place. That's the Division Street riots that took place in 1966 in Chicago, and and it and something happened similar in New, Newark, New Jersey. I don't know if it was the Puerto Rican Day Parade in Newark, but um, there were Puerto Ricans killed by the police that ultimately led to riots. I believe that was in 1974. In 1967, there was um, riots in Newark mainly by the African-American community, but again, in conjunction with Puerto Ricans that lived side by side 
um, African Americans in Newark. Mm, mm. So what I'm hearing here is two things. One, Puerto Ricans riot. All right. So anybody who believes that we don't or that's exclusive to other groups, plenty of ep- ep- plenty of evidence that that's just not the case. And please go check out the the article and the interactive map. It pinpoints it, gives you news clippings and everything. Where you can go in and read about these accounts um, yourself. Also, is what I'm also hearing is that the riot is never the true story. The riot is is the symptom of something bigger, and I'm and, I, and I'm a little frustrated with the media always wanting to be hyper focused on on you know which which you know uh, which retailer got their their windows um, you know blown out or which car how many cars were flipped over how many fires were started but we weren't talking about you know the the innocent child woman or, or man that was killed by the police uh, we weren't we weren't talking about um, the, the the intentional impoverishment and the exploitation of, of these laborers in these communities. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the fact that their rights were disregarded. We weren't we weren't talking about how they were completely brutalized um, and terrorized by the police in their community that were supposedly there to protect and serve them as well. So let's let's ask ourselves about because we want to talk about the, we always talk about the violence of those actors in those situations. Well, what about the other forms of violence that are happening? Aren't the police engaging in, in, in violence? Aren't the, isn't the institution engaging itself engaging in some kind of violence? Because violence, you know, people, when people think about it, they, you know, they see like I don't know that you, you know, violence comes to your head, and you, there's probably an image of someone like you know punching someone or fire or destruction. But there's economic violence, there's political violence, institutional violence, sexual gender violence, cultural violence, um, information violence. You know, when we're talking about the media. And a lot, and these are very subtle. These 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 are creep into your life every single day without you noticing. So, you know, there's violence on both ends, and I feel that so much emphasis is put on one side and not the other that it's too easy to dismiss, dismiss riots as these um, very simple, uh, mindless activities that are just criminal and never lead anywhere and don't do anything. And it, and it's just not true at all. No, it, it, it's violence from the state that we are faced with those um those forms of violence that take place like you mentioned as, as well as just that lack of opportunity uh specifically educationally uh these are uh things that build up to riots um and uh create the context that that riots are going to happen and they're going to continue to happen and uh Puerto Ricans do participate in them because these are the conditions of our communities right when we talk about the closing of schools in puerto rico the out migration to uh, urban areas dealing with a lot of this um a lot of these issues that we've been talking about here today that that's going to ultimately lead to something like we saw in minneapolis right minneapolis will not be the last place um that we see rise in fact we've seen them all over the nation all over um but as MLK put it, Martin Luther King, uh, you know, but this is the voice of the unheard. This is this is uh, what uh, impoverished, um, unemployed, marginalized, oppressed people feel they need to do when when the people that hold the power and the resources refuse to negotiate with them to come to the table and and start treating them with decency, some respect, uh, uh, some opportunity. You know, this is this is they're they're being deprived. Relative to their counterparts in this country, um, and there's a lot of talk about inequality, equality, this and that. I mean, how many candidates from the '60s to now promised all of these things to these communities still exist? 
how, how many how many bills? How many? And I'm not I'm not saying the, the needle hasn't moved. I'm not saying we haven't made any progress. But this is still the problem. What you know? I I don't think anybody's striving for it to just be good enough. We we want it to be solved. We we, we don't want to see our brothers and sisters shot by the police. You know, we don't. In fact, we want to get to a point where the police don't see automatically a, a black, a Puerto Rican, or any person of color, anyone who's not white, as a threat. That's a problem, and I feel like that's that's that's. Uh, a big factor a- as to why you're seeing so many more of us being uh, killed as opposed to uh, to others. Um, and I, riots have their place, in my opinion, in, in, in the sense that they do galvanize people. Now, I'm not arguing. I can't debate if they're effective or not. I, I think we're going to leave that uh, to the listeners, to yourself. Like, ask yourself, do you think they're effective? That's a good question to ask. But, but I, what I will say is... Um, it's it's very hard to find examples of uh, a, a power, right? Uh, um, a, a nation, or however you want to find it, voluntarily giving these things up and and and, and leveling the playing field um, to these people without there being some form of violence. It's almost never given voluntarily or, or peacefully. So I understand why these people are doing. It. And, and let's be honest: if you if you were never poor, if you were never unemployed, if you never lived in the housing project, if you never felt oppressed, shoot, you know, if you never felt the terror, you know, of getting pulled over in the middle of the night by a police officer, then you probably wouldn't understand rioting. You know, if you're if you're sitting in your you know in your in your in your, in your big house and and everything's good and and you know you, you you never have to worry about money or anything like that, you you probably really wouldn't understand, which is why you could probably ask more questions, maybe even reach out to people who who, who do, um, because let's be honest, these these are these are occurring because those conditions exist, and no one wants to live under those conditions, and, and especially not feel heard when they're when they're trying to. Uh, um, to get some progress, sometimes not even progress, just 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 to be equal, you know, <laughs> like that's crazy. Equality is progress in this country in, in many ways, and that's that's that should be concerning to us. And anti-blackness should be concerning to us, right? Because this this anti-blackness that we see within our own community has to stop, and we have to call it out uh, for what it is, uh, because these issues that affect black people the most also affect our community. Um, and in this country, we have to acknowledge that there's this colorism that exists where the darker you are, the, the harder you have it, the more the, the, the stacks are up against you because of just the systemic violence that we see in these institutions, um, you know, that the state just um, continues to um, oppress black people. And uh, we are also... Um, you and that's just gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just gotta stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, simply put, that, that shit has to stop. That shit has to stop. <laughs> For real. If only it was that simple, right? If only we could just say that has to stop and it stops. For real, uh, but I think I think we could go wrapping up. I don't know if you have any last words for our listeners. Uh, I do have last words. Um, one, yes, I, I want to leave out with the question. Um, you know, do you do you think riots are effective? Obviously. Let my brothers and sisters on the front line of this struggle uh, know that we do stand with you in solidarity every single day in, in, our, in our prayers and our voices and our platforms and our resources um, because, you know, this, this, this struggle uh, against you is, is a struggle against us. I don't see no difference. This is, this is our fight, too. 
and you know hopefully through this project and through our voices we we contribute some way somehow positively by planting a seed of thought or even you know just looking at things from a different perspective asking questions right um and we will continue to do so and hopefully uh (laughs) hopefully through these efforts we do eventually see some change ditto to that ladies and gentlemen peoples of the universe thank you for listening this is piragua podcast you can check us out at piragua pod on twitter instagram facebook we'll have stuff on youtube coming soon Uh, We are building this from the ground up organically, but it's been an honor and a pleasure, CJ. We're going to catch the good people next time. Again, this is Piragua Podcast. I'm Cuyo. That's CJ. We'll see you next time. Peace and love.